Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Now, I've had the opportunity uh, and the privilege, I say it this way, to live in Peru for the past 34 years. Love the life God has given us. Love the ministry we get to do. It's amazing what God does if you just stick around long enough. After a while, anybody will be a hero if you just stay, stay around. And, and all the stuff we get to see God do, all the things we've gotten to see over the years, what a blessing. Your church has been a part from the very beginning in, in our orphanage. Uh, we have a children's home, and we've seen hundreds and hundreds of kids that they had a, a past uh, that no kid should ever have. A lot of them have seen things that no kid should ever see, experienced things no kid should ever experience. And, and I always say we, we can't change their past, but we can change their future. Amen? So, uh, and you've been a part of our children's home. And I remember the last time I was here, which was like a couple of years ago, we talked about a, another ministry we have where we get to give away free wheelchairs. A lot of people wonder, you know, like a, a ministry giving away free wheelchairs? Yeah, because the poorest of the poor in third world countries are disabled. They are the, the poorest of the poor that uh, literally they can't afford a chair, so they're they have to re rely on a family member, some neighbor to pick them up, to bathe them, to take care of them. And just, or they're crawling and they're on skateboards or in wheelbarrows and just trying to get around the city to make do with their life. And giving them the wheelchair, we get them out of the dirt into the hands of Jesus. Uh, and it's just a simple gift. Uh, to date, we've given away over 60,000 free wheelchairs in the country of Peru. But one of our, our favorite ministries, and this is a, a newer ministry, is we're reaching out to young girls that are anorexic and bulimic. And you know, when, when we started reaching out to these girls, and, and to tell you the truth, we're doing this because my own daughter became anorexic and bulimic. And uh, when she was going through that time in her life, we were desperate asking God, how do we help this? How do we get past this? And how can we get my daughter past this? And there was a ministry in uh, Hillsong in Australia, Darlene Check, that she received our daughter. And actually this ministry gave our daughter back to us. But when, when Jenna came home, uh, she just said, Dad, I'm ready to tell my story. And we didn't tell the church what was going on. We didn't tell them that, you know, she was going through this issue. So, you know, every now and then, I know it doesn't happen in Baton Rouge because you're too nice and have too much fun. But, you know, sometimes Christians can be mean. Just sometimes. And some, you know, some of the mean ones were coming in our church saying, oh, the pastor's daughter must be pregnant. She's gone. And, and we were trying to protect her privacy because of what she was going through. So when she finally came back home healed, she said, Dad, I'm ready to tell my story. And I said, are you sure? So she got up in one of our pastor's conferences and told the story of how God healed her 
of this bulimic and anorexic thing and all the stuff that comes with it. And what I'd forgotten is we were live on the radio. The next day, we started getting hundreds of phone calls from moms saying, can you help my daughter? And I said, my God, why is this such an issue in South America? And we found out because every one of these girls, that not, not all of them, but every most of them, I should say, have been sexually abused. And when a girl can't control her body, she'll control one thing she can control, and she'll quit eating or become suicidal. One of the hardest things for a dad to hear is we later found out that my own daughter was sexually abused by somebody in the church. And going through that as a father, you know, it, it hurts. But at the same time, God can take an ugly situation and turn it around. So we started a ministry called the Grace House. It's the only one of its kind in all of South America. We receive girls in there not because their parents have money. It can be very expensive to treat this. We receive them in because Jesus loves them, free of charge. Now, we started this with just a dream. It was all it was. It was just a dream. Was, oh, God, someday. I call it missioneering. Missioneering is somehow engineering a mission, and it's trying to figure out how to do it. And it was, oh, God, can we do this? So we started, and it cost more than we thought. It took longer than we thought, way more expensive than we thought, a lot harder than we thought. But when the first girl walked in the home who had been in a government-run home and was sexually abused in that government-run home, when she came into our house and said, I didn't know God loved me this much. We said it's worth it because she was worth it. Amen. So sometimes, you know, go that. And what a beautiful song that was. Wasn't that amazing? And, and I was thinking when I heard that song, when the Holy Spirit asked that question, who will go? Is, that is so sad that God has to ask that question. Is there anybody that will go for me? Anybody that will go into this world and, and reach out to these young women or reach out to these kids, reach into the world, is anybody there that will actually go and bring their, them hope, bring the life of Jesus? Will there anybody go? And you begin to engineer this mission. And, and I was thinking, well, some people say, I'd like to go, but it's just too hard. Well, let me tell you something. Do it anyway. We're not good with easy. We want easy, but really, Christians don't do good with easy. So just because it's hard doesn't mean don't do it. It means do it anyway. Amen? So we started a ministry called The Grace House. And I do have a little video with a couple of the testimonies. And one of the girls, the one with the long kind of brownish hair, is the girl I told you about that walked in the house. She's now been healed and is going through our Bible school. Say amen. So let's show the video of the Grace House Ministry. Grace House is a ministry under Camino de Vida. The purpose of Grace House is to give back what the devil tried to steal from them. It's to bring hope, to bring their identity back, and to let them know that they have a purpose. When girls go through eating disorders or depression or different addictions, Usually, doctors give them no hope. They say that they will have this addiction for the rest of their lives. We believe that through the day-to-day, -day, each girl through classes, 
through their personal time with God, through group time and their counseling. They will learn how to live well, live a life with purpose and with destiny. That with the power of God, through His Word, that they can be set free and be free indeed. Here are just a couple of the dozens of miracles, the stories of young girls whose lives have been rescued because of the Graysons. I was actually abused throughout my childhood by different people. I used to cut myself along with having eating disorders. Since I was a little kid, I was really insecure. I grew up without a dad and I was very resentful. I drowned in all kinds of addictions. I was sexually abused. It became so normal that I didn't even know what was happening. I remember cutting myself until I couldn't cut anymore. So I ended up poisoning myself. Life didn't make sense to me. To be honest, I didn't believe that something was going to change at Grace House. I couldn't believe in myself, so I couldn't believe in anyone else. I had heard about God, but I really saw Him at the house. But when I first entered the Grace House, I couldn't believe it. I've never had such a nice place to live. No one ever gave me a smile without expecting something from me. I learned what love really is and learn how to live free every single day of my life. I'm not the same person anymore. I'm someone that knows that it doesn't matter what's going on around me. My hope isn't something unshakable. Now I'm someone that has found freedom through love and hope. Lives are being reached not only in Peru, but we've received now girls from Colombia and from other countries around us because there's no other home like this in South America. We're setting a new path. We're doing something brand new, but God is doing miracles in the Grace House. Psalms 39 verse 4 says this, David makes a prayer and he says, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. You know, I want to ask a question before just a brief little teaching here, but a question have you ever, do you ever remember telling your kids, listen, I've got to go do an errand, but when I come back, I want your room clean? Or I want you to pick up the yard, take out the trash. You give them some chores. So if the last thing you said to them when you left was clean your room, what's the first question you're going to ask when you get home? Did you do it? Let me ask a question. What was the last thing Jesus said to us before 
he went to heaven. What was the last thing Jesus said to the church? Go into all the world and bring good news. Go into all the world. Well, if that's the last thing he said, what do you think will be the first thing he asks when he comes back? Did you do it? Were you a part of it? Did you do it? Did you go? You know, it's, it's amazing. God loves the world. The Bible says that God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves the world. I look at the world, and, and it's a mess. The world today especially, it's just kind of strange. I mean, we're going through a political season right now that's just curious to watch from afar. And not only here, but around the world, just some of the things that are going on. And you look at the world and you say, it's just a mess. But listen, the hope of the world isn't in a politician. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope. And, and he has chosen to use the vehicle of the church to bring the hope to the world. He, he uses his body, the church. He tells us to go into all the world and bring good news. He is the hope of the world. Now, my message is three points, and I'll put them all up real quick. It's real simple. My message is go, send, or disobey. Real simple. Go, send, or disobey. Now, thinking, you know, the church is the hope of the world. The, the Bible even says in the last days, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But if the hope is in the church, then how many know what we do on Sunday is important? Church is important because the church is the hope of the world. And if you believe that, then what we do is, is important because the hope of the world depends on us. The hope of all these young girls, the hope of the orphans, the, the hope of all those kids in Africa, and uh, the hope of all those kids that Children's Cup reaches out to, you see, they are in a dark place. But, you know, one of the things leaders are, Napoleon said this, leaders are dealers in hope. And what we do is we go into dark places and bring hope, the hope of Jesus. And, and that's what that's, I mean, if you see what hope is, it's finding the light at the end of the tunnel. Now, God loves the world. You cannot love God and not love what he loves. He loves the world and he has a plan and his plan is, to bring hope to the world through the church. So he uses people like us. So he asks the question, who will go for me? Who will go? You know, the first time I heard that, who will go? I remember I was a, a, one of those hippies, saved in the hippie generation, grew up surfing in Southern California, and, and I got saved literally. Uh, parked our surfboards in the back of the church because we were by the beach and left trunk marks, you know, from our wet swim trunks and, and worship God. But I'll never forget this grandma 
in church. Thank God for grandmas in church. Because this grandma came to me one day and she said this. She said, Robert, the hardest thing you could do for God is be a missionary. Well, grandma just challenged my manhood, so that's my call. That, that grandma called me to the mission field. Now, I know it was God through her, but thank God for grandmas, amen? Because of grandma, I just said, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll go to the mission field. And, and I, every now and then I think about it because we went through all this stuff. We studied in Bible school and prepared ourselves for the mission field. But the day came when I packed up my wife and my two kids and we bought a one-way ticket to South America. Now I look back at that and I say, what was I thinking? I mean, what was I thinking? Two little babies, my daughter, who was the girl that was talking in the video, uh, and my son, who was just two years old. A lot of you know Taylor. I'll tell a little bit of his story in a few minutes. But, you know, they were just little babies, little kids, and we're going into a country in South America that in the 80s was one of the most dangerous countries in the world. We had a civil war going on with the Shining Path terrorists and violence, bombs going off and, and all this stuff that was going on in that country. And here I am taking my beautiful wife and two babies. What was I thinking? I mean... My wife, is, she's, she's gorgeous, beautiful, blonde, comes from, you know, a family. Her grandmother was about to leave this big inheritance to her. Her grandmother owned a chain of paint stores in, in Southern California. And the day I announced to her grandma, we're going to the mission field, the grandma got so mad that I was taking her grandbabies down to South America, she took us out of the will. And then we're, we're now here we go. And, uh, you know, I, I often look at what did my wife, they say this, that one of the greatest gifts a man can give his family is a good name. And one of the greatest gifts a wife can give the husband is respect. Now, I'll explain that. You know, see, when, when you marry uh, somebody, guys, when you go to that girl and you say, you know, I promise to love you in sickness and in health, uh, in richer for poorer, till death do us part. When you give that pledge, I'm going to be exclusive to you. You are the only one in my life. And, and you make that promise. You gave them a promise, but they didn't just take your promise. They also took your name. And my wife, I mean, I like the way they do this in South America. They put, you know, she is Karen, but in Spanish, it's they, Barriguerer. She's Karen of Barriger. In other words, she's mine. She is mine. She is of me. And wherever she goes, she carries my name. And one of the, the greatest things I love to hear is when she was in the marketplace and somebody came to her and said, you're Pastor Berger's wife. I, I listened to him on the radio or he's ministered to us and he, we're so thankful for him. And she comes home and she says, I'm so proud to be your wife. One of the greatest gifts a guy can give a family is a good name. 
Now, one of the greatest gifts women give men is respect. I mean, that's what guys say, just trust me, just, you know, just trust me, give me some respect. And, but the thing is, and there's that verse. How many women have ever heard that verse in the Bible that says, wives, submit to your husband? You ever hear that? You like it? <laughs> some do. <laughs> and let me, let me explain that. Um, Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul said, husbands, love your wives, and wives, respect your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Why does Paul interchange respect your husband with submit to your husband? It's simple because a woman cannot submit to a man she doesn't respect. The same way you can't submit to a boss you don't respect. So when I think about that, and I'm saying this because when I told my wife, God, I think, is calling us to South America, to Peru in the 80s with terrorists and bombs and violence. And I think that my wife packed up her bags. She says, I trust you. I trust the call of God on your life. And she packs up the bags. I mean, we packed everything we had in seven suitcases, two babies. She left her home. She left her family. She left her mom. She left her friends, her culture, her language, her surroundings, her comfort. Had to relearn how to shop a new language, new friends, new culture, new country, and she did that because of a call. Now, thank God, we look back after 34 years, no regrets. Love the life God has given us, but I I look back at then, not knowing what was going to happen in the future, and I say, my God, what was she thinking to trust me? Yet she did. You know, sometimes there's sacrifice. When you say go, that simple word go, who will go? Oftentimes we look at the sacrifice and and frequently people ask me a question. Well, you know, after all these years in Peru, what was the hardest day of your ministry life in South America? And it's, you'll, you'll be surprised. It actually has to do with Baton Rouge. The hardest day for us in South America, the hardest day as a missionary family, and I've been through a lot. I mean, we've seen amazing things. Uh, we've stood with presidents. I've been counselor to the president. We've ha- got to build an orphanage, and there's nothing more exciting, nothing more addicting than seeing God change a life. When God touches a life and turns them around, nothing better than being used by God. Oh, that's so exciting. And we've seen God do so many things. I've, we've seen the good. There was a time a few years ago, I was actually named the man of the year in Peru. But we've also gone through the hard times. I've been through kidnapping attempts. I've been through death, time, uh, death threats where men actually showed up in the church with machine guns with our name on it, and God miraculously touched their lives and saved us. And we've been through a lot of the hardships of that time and go, yet the hardest day of my life 
because we're such, we love family. We love our kids and we love doing ministry together. From the earliest age, I'd go into the jungles and pull my kids along with me and, and they were playing with the locals and just, we were always together as a family. Yet my son is six foot seven and a lot of guys know Taylor. He's such a big kid and I looked at him and he loves sports and they didn't have sports activities. And one day I said, do you regret never having had the opportunity of studying in the States and playing sports? Yeah, kind of, Dad. Would you ever consider, if you wanted to, to maybe go back to the States and, and go into some sports and study in high school in the States? And he said, yeah, I'd kind of like to. And I said, do you want to pray about it? And he goes, okay. And came back and said, Dad, if I could. And we never, I mean, the, we finally made the decision as a family. He was just 14 years old. And we came back to the United States as a family, pretended like it wasn't going to happen, went to our very first family vacation, went to Disneyland and, and did a few days in Disneyland, then drove here to Baton Rouge and, and just pretended like it wasn't going to happen. In fact, Wayne Austin, uh, you might remember that, Wayne, when uh, he was the principal of this school. And, and I remember going in there and just looking at this, you know, overwhelming, passionate man of God and looking at my son and I'm going, oh my God, oh my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? When we took my son around and bought him all his school stuff and met the families, the Greg and Donna Klein-Peter, just beautiful couple that give a room to our son so he can study high school here. When the day finally came after a week in Baton Rouge, when we went back to New Orleans and started boarding the airplane, turned around to wave goodbye to my son and saw him crying. That was the hardest day of our life. Yet there's no regrets. No regrets. Thank God for what happened and, and the fellowship, the friends that he's made here with so many of you at Christian Life and, and all of the, the, the things. Thank God for the experience. Now my son is back in Peru working with us and, and so passionate and so on fire for God. He is amazing, but it wasn't easy. Sometimes the go is not going to be easy. There will be sacrifices in the go. But God, God loves the world. He says go. So there's two things we can do. We can go or we can send. Now, the send part, we know the verse. It says, how can they go unless they be sent? It's just a simple question. How can people go? Well, I believe that little church in San Diego, there was a small church that believed in us. It just as it was, we, we left from this church, and I still remember the day in the airport that that little Pentecostal church drove us to the airport, my family, with that one-way ticket to South America, and we sat, when you can still walk all the way up to the boarding gate, and we sat around in a circle with some believers from the church, and they sang a song out loud in the airport, Go Ye Into All the World. And as we sat there, with that little group of people, I thought, they believe enough in me to send us. You see, the sacrifice should be equal in the sender as it is in the goer. 
The sacrifice should be the same in those that send and those that go. It's not easy to send people around the world. It's not easy. As you go out after church today, there's that ministry fair. Go through it. There's people that God is allowing to go around the world. In fact, I believe personally every Christian, every single one of us needs to go at least once to the mission field. Everyone needs to go at least one time. If you've never been to the mission field, you have tunnel vision. You think this is it. This is all it is. But when you get to go, go see your campus in Honduras. Go see your campuses over in, in Africa. Come down to Peru and help us pass out some wheelchairs. But you see, when you, when you go and you, what I call scratch and sniff, you smell it and you see it. Some people will come back saying, thank God that missionary is there. Thank God Ben's doing that. Thank God Rusty's going. Thank God others are going. I don't think I can go, but thank God they're going. You see, that's a good thing because there's a burden, and you're going to pray, and you're going to support those that go. Some will say, God, here am I, send me. And there's an opportunity of all those kids that want to go to the mission field, send them. They'll come back changed the rest of their life. So you have an opportunity. You can go, you can send, or you can disobey. Now, I don't want to bring condemnation on that. I just want to go back to that verse that I read in the beginning. Oh, Lord, make me know my end. And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Let me explain it the best way I can what Paul was saying is this. You know, life is short. Life is short. And life is a gift. To me, it seems like just yesterday I was in high school. And I know it now it wasn't yesterday. I'm 61 years old. But just yesterday, I was, it just seems like it was just yesterday. And I, I turned around and I was married. I turned around again and I had kids. And I'm on the mission field. And I turned around again. Now my kids have kids. And I know in one of these spins around that I'm doing, I'm going to be with Jesus. It's that quick. It's that quick. And if you believe life is a gift, I mean, the greatest gift you can have is life. It's, it's life. In, in South America, we see this frequently. You don't see it as much in the States where they have a way of somewhat hiding it. Here we've got homeless, but over there we've got homeless. And then beyond that, we get people, uh, their life, you just look at their life and you, you have to wonder what happened. In Peru, they call it, you know, these people, they're like, they call them those locos de la calle. They're crazy on the streets. They're just and you wonder what happened, literally walking naked down the streets. Their hairs look like they're just a bunch of feathers. And, and I always wonder what happened to them. Sometimes it could have been drugs or sometimes it could have been a, an addiction to alcohol. But sometimes it's, it's nothing like that. Sometimes maybe they had a tragedy in their family that was more than they can handle and they just snapped. Maybe there was some kind of a situation, a financial situation that was more than they can handle and they just snapped. Many of them were actually businessmen, successful at one time and something just happened and it, they just couldn't handle it and they ended up 
with the one life we have. You only get one shot at this. The Bible says it's appointed to man but once to live and once to die. And then we're with Jesus. It's just once. I don't know about you, but how do you want to spend that once? I don't want to, you wonder these guys walking the streets and you're saying, what happened that this one chance you get and that's the way you're spending it? What happened? You see, life is a gift. Often as a pastor, I've been with people in those last fleeting moments of their life. I've been with many people that have taken the last breath before me. And what, what a difference when you see Christians that are at peace with this moment, knowing where they're going, and you can almost sense the presence of God. And, and every now and then you get into these situations where people aren't sure about their eternity. They're not sure where they're going. And you see them holding on to that last breath and desperate. They're almost desperate, grabbing family. I, like They're trying to stay in life. They're trying to hold on to it because at that moment they realize what a gift life is. What a gift. You know, some people say it this way. You are given life once as a gift. But we're born again. They are born the first time to get life. We're born again to find out why we were born the first time. Everybody has a purpose. Each one of us has a, 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 a call that God has on our life. Some it's to go, some it's to send, but it's always there's a purpose. It's more than just life. One time I heard it said this way. There was these scientists that you know, they sat around and they, they challenged God saying, God, we could create life too. And God said, okay, do it. So they gathered some dirt together and God said, wait a minute, get your own dirt. God gives life and then he gives purpose. So what are we going to do? We're going to go. He said, you can go, go into all the world. The church is the hope of the world. And in a world that, like the world we see today, so dark, are we going to bring hope into those dark places? So you can go, you can send, or you can disobey. The Bible tells the story of three servants. One received some talents, five and after a period of time, he, those five became ten, and one received two, and after a period of time, those five became, or those two became four. And you see, it's not about money. It's about you. You had the ability to one time do this much. Now you can do twice as much. You had the ability to administrate this. Now you can administrate this and so much more. That's what God does. He brings increase into our life. It's about you. You got bigger inside that you can do so much more now. But the Bible talks about the one last guy who took what God gave him and said, God, I, I, I think you're hard. So I'm going to take what you've given me. I'm going to hide it. And at the end, God just said, you're lazy. There's so much you could have done with that. I could have done so much more in you and through you to reach into this world. You see, go, send somebody, or end up frustrated and disobey. There's so much that we can do. 
Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.